0: Praise Yahweh. Matthew chapter 23, verses 23 through 28. We'll read that, and then we'll get into explaining it and going through it. Matthew chapter 23, verse 23, it says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You pay a tenth of mint, dill, and cumin, yet you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. These things should have been done without neglecting the others. Blind guides, you strain out a gnat, yet gulp down a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup, so the outside of it may also become clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs, which appear beautiful on the outside, but inside are full of dead men's bones and every impurity. In the same way, on the outside you seem righteous to people, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. May Yahweh bless His Word to our hearts today. We're going to continue in our study through Matthew chapter 23. In this lesson, we're going to look at three more woes in this text. In the last lesson, we covered the first four woes against the scribes and Pharisees in this chapter. And that Yeshua, we saw that he gets more harsh with these men as he continues on in his rebuke. And Yeshua's harshest recorded rebuke in all of his recorded ministry is likely right here in this section, Matthew chapter 23. And this rebuke, this harsh rebuke of Yeshua is not directed to atheists. It's not directed to pagans. And it's not directed to non-Israelites. It's directed to Israelites, rebellious yet outwardly religious leaders in Israel. Israelites who had gotten so far off track that they had really started their own religion. Israelites who were puffed up in themselves and considered themselves more righteous than everyone else in the community because of their outward piety and outward show. The fact that the scribes and the Pharisees were physical Israelites will become more apparent and easier to prove the further that we get down towards the end of the chapter. But it should already be apparent at this point. And here are two points on this thus far. Point number one. Yeshua says that they're seated in the chair of Moses. And Yeshua tells people to do what they say. After this, Yeshua goes on to expose their corrupt deeds or actions, but he begins by recognizing their authority they have in the chair or the seat of Moses. This shows that they're Israelites. Yeshua would have never said, do what they say, unless they were. A second proof is the harsh judgment that is pronounced upon these men. Yahweh only gave his law to one people, the nation of Israel. Psalm 147 verses 19 through 20 says this, He declares His word to Jacob, His statutes and judgments to Israel. He has not done this for any nation. Obviously the meaning is any other nation. They do not know His judgments. Hallelujah. Also in Romans chapter 9 verses 4 through 5 it says that it's to Israelites, physical Israelites, that the giving of the law Belongs. The nation of Israel has always been the chosen physical people whom Yahweh gave His law to. If then Israel refuses or rebels against that law that they've been given, it's a very serious offense. Why? Because they were the people whom the law was given to. And Yahweh reprimands them accordingly, just like we saw last week in Isaiah chapter 5 with the house of Judah. Remember, in Isaiah 5, we read the following things. I'm going to recap and go over a few verses here. You can follow along. Turn to Isaiah 5 if you'd like. Isaiah 5, verse 7. Listen carefully. For the vineyard of Yahweh of hosts is the house of Israel and the men of Judah. The plant that he delighted in, he looked for justice, but saw injustice. For righteousness, but heard cries of wretchedness verse 13 Yahweh says Therefore my people will go into exile because they lack knowledge her dignitaries are starving and her masses are parched with thirst Isaiah 5:24 through 25 Therefore as a tongue of fire consumes straw and as dry grass shrivels in the flame so their roots will become like something rotten and their blossoms will blow away like dust for they have rejected the instruction of Yahweh of hosts. And they have despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. The only way that you reject and despise the law or the instruction of Yahweh is if He gave it to you. Therefore, Yahweh's anger burns against His people. He raised His hand against them and struck them. The mountains quaked and their corpses were like garbage in the streets. And all this His anger is not removed and His hand is still raised to strike. The more that I read, I didn't get this from reading anything else, but I found Isaiah 5, I find Isaiah 5 to be very similar and parallel to Matthew chapter 23. Both of them are dealing with Judahites, men from the nation or the house of Judah. In Isaiah 5, Judah is said to be Yahweh's vineyard. You read the entire chapter in your study time at home. I would encourage you to do that. Yahweh says, why, when I expected a yield of good grapes, did it yield worthless grapes? And he then says that he'll remove the hedge and the wall around the vineyard. Remember, the vineyard is Judah and the house of Israel. He'll remove the hedge and the wall so that it can be trampled and consumed. The rebellious inside of the nation will be destroyed. The rebellious inside of the physical nation of Israel will be destroyed. When Yahweh gives his law to his chosen physical people, and those people neglect the observance of that law. Harsh judgment comes upon his people. Why? They're the ones that have been given the law to obey. And so the problem is with them. Second Chronicles 7, 14, Yahweh says, If the Assyrians, if the Philistines, no, if my people, he's talking about Israel, which are called by my name, the name Yahweh, will humble themselves, seek my face, and then a lot of people miss this part, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. If who? Yahweh's people. Yahweh's people. This is the reason, or this is a reason, second of two that I mentioned, that you can know that the scribes and the Pharisees in Matthew 23 are physical Israelites. More on these proofs will come in the remainder of the chapter. We'll get to another one here in just momentarily. So let's get back to Matthew 23. We're going to cover three woes tonight. Matthew 23, verse 23. Let's look at this verse again. Let's read it. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You pay a tenth of mint, dill, and cumin, yet you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. These things should have been done without neglecting the others. Here again, Yeshua calls them pretenders or hypocrites. They pretend to be righteous, but they really are not righteous. They look righteous on the outside, but inside there is no heart change. They still have that stony heart that all of Adam kind is born with. They don't have the new heart. Yeshua pronounces another woe upon them here for majoring on the minors while they minor... On the majors, now this is a subtle but it's a vital point because some people believe that Yeshua was against paying attention to the minor points of the law and they leave it at that. And they see people pay attention to the minor points and they think that's legalistic maybe or maybe they might even call it pharisaical. Well, I take issue with that. Let me explain. Such is not the case. Yeshua points out that the scribes and the Pharisees are meticulous in their tithes. They pay a tenth. That's tithing. And they're meticulous in that they pay a tithe of the herbs in their garden. They make sure to pay a tenth of their mint, their dill, and their cumin. Tiny herbs in a garden. Can you imagine tithing on herbs? Well, the Pharisees did that, and the scribes did that. Taking every tenth leaf or tenth sprig and making sure that you set it aside for the annual feast when the tithes were paid at the feasts for the Levite priest to partake of. That's being careful to keep the law. That's being meticulous. Some people would say that's being legalistic, but Yeshua does not rebuke them for their tithing. He never says one negative word about their tithing. Tithing was part of Yahweh's law. It is how, one, the Levites were taken care of. Two, the poor in the land were provided for. It's one way they were provided for. And three, the food at the feast was made plentiful by the tithe. Three different ways. All of this was possible because of the 10% of both produce and livestock that the Israelites would pay. The scribes and the Pharisees were so careful in this that they took it down to the smallest herbs like mint and dill. Now the problem was that while they were so careful to tithe correctly, they were at the same time neglecting the more important matters in the law. Do you see that? Yeshua never got onto them for their tithing, but it was, they were careful to tithe small, but they neglected big things in the law. Literally, this reads the weighty or the heavy points in the law. What were these points? Well, Yeshua gives us three of these points. Justice, mercy, and faith. Three heavy points of the law. Justice, mercy, faith. The scribes and the Pharisees neglected justice, that's proper and righteous judgment. Mercy, that's kindness and gentleness to the undeserving. And faith, trust and belief, possibly faithfulness in walking with Yahweh in their life. These are key elements of the law, Yeshua says. The Pharisees had set these aside. They neglected these but yet they made sure that they tithed on their mint and their deal and their cumin. Now, many people don't think that matters like mercy and faith are matters of the law at all. But Yeshua says they're weighty or heavy matters of the law. Mercy is. I think a lot of people think that mercy only came with Jesus or with the disciples. But Yeshua says mercy is a heavy Matter of the Torah, of the law. Likewise, justice and faith. So if you want to keep a heavy commandment, if you're into keeping the commandments, like I, I am, I believe in keeping the commandments, if you want to keep a really heavy one, a really weighty one, then show mercy. Having faith. They neglected that. Trusting in Yahweh. Trusting in His Word. Believing what He says. Having confidence in Him rather than what we think or what we want. That state. If you want to keep a heavy commandment in the law, practice having faith and justice. They neglected that. Properly making judgments. Seeking to genuinely administer punishment to the guilty and let the innocent go free. Not pouncing on people for our own hidden agendas or personal gain from bribery. That's what justice is. And if you want to keep a heavy commandment in the law, practice justice. The Pharisees neglected these heavy matters while focusing meticulously on their herb tithing. You know, we've got to be careful that we don't fall into this trap. We understand here in this congregation that the law is for us today. That Yahweh's morality has not changed. He's still the same. But we can get lopsided on the law and focus on the minor things, the small things, like the Pharisees did, while we neglect the major things. There's nothing wrong with focusing on both minor and major, but don't focus on the minor while you neglect the major. That's wrong. You know, we may have Leviticus 19.27, that law down to a T. We may be very careful not to mar the borders of our beard, men. It's not a difficult law. But if at the same time we don't have any mercy upon people, if we aren't kind and gentle and forgiving we're committing the same error as the Pharisees. We're neglecting a weighty matter of the law. The same could go for the tassels. We might be meticulous in our tassel making and our tassel wearing. Very easy commandment, not difficult at all. But if we aren't trusting in Yahweh at the same time and instead worrying and murmuring and complaining about so much all the time, we're neglecting a weighty matter of the law and focusing in on a small matter of the law. Well, notice what Yeshua tells them at the end of verse 23. He does not tell them to stop tithing. Never does He. He just tells them the tithing should be done without neglecting the others. Or He could be saying, do these three weighty matters without neglecting the tithing. Either way you read that, I can see how somebody could read it both ways, but either way you read that, what He's saying is pay attention to all of them. Pay attention to all of them. The weighty matters of the law and the small matters of the law. Don't neglect the majors or the minors, but don't focus on the light matters while we neglect the heavy matters. You know, this is another proof that the Pharisees are Israelites, physical Israelites. Remember at the beginning of the sermon, I pointed out how that Yahweh chose only the nation of Israel to specifically give His law to. Well, look at the end of verse 23. He tells the Pharisees these things should have been done without neglecting the others. Yeshua is telling them that their tithing is a good thing. But just don't neglect the heavier things. When Yeshua acknowledges their obedience to tithing, He is praising one aspect of their obedience. He is acknowledging that they are keeping one of the laws that was given to them as Israelites. Look at verse 24. Blind guides, you strain out a gnat, yet gulp down a camel. Now, here he calls them blind guides, the same thing as back in verse 16. And he explains what's going on in verse 23. Their focus on small things and the neglect of the big things is like straining out a gnat while you swallow a camel. Now, gnats and camels are both unclean animals. We don't want to eat camel and we don't want to eat gnats. But obviously, a camel is bigger than a gnat. I mean, it's quite a contrast in comparison. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, when Yeshua said this, they may have thought about camels there in the city and gnats flying around the camels. And Yeshua is saying that what they are doing, the scribes and Pharisees, is like sitting down for dinner and making sure that they're careful to strain the gnat out of their wine, making sure no little bitty gnats are put in their mouth. They don't want to eat the gnat. It's unclean. But at the same time, they've got a huge camel steak sitting right there on their plate and they're about to dig into the camel. That's what Yeshua is trying to get across to us. They strain out the gnat, but they swallow, eat, ingest the camel. That's what paying attention to the tithes was like while they neglected justice, mercy, and faith. That's his point in verse 24. We've got to be careful about this, brothers and sisters. I think that Christians get caught up in following the Pharisees here more than we like to think. We don't like to think of ourselves as Pharisees. We don't. But I think we get caught up in following their example more than we like to admit. Focusing only on the outside. Cleaning up the outside. Looking righteous. Looking holy. Making people think that we're holy. But in reality, our hearts are not clean. It's possible to do. Cleaning up our outside and wanting others to clean their outside up instead of desiring for and praying for a change of the heart. That's where it all starts. True salvation. A change of the heart. Matthew 23, verses 25-26. through Let's read it again. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, First, clean the inside of the cup, so the outside of it may also become clean. Another woe, another derogatory reference to them being pretenders. And here it's because they focus on the outside of the cup and the dish. But inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. And that self-indulgence means a lack of self-restraint. The inside defilement that Yeshua talks about here goes back to Matthew fifteen eighteen through 20 where Yeshua says and teaches that what defiles you and I is inside of us in our heart. Yeshua says evil things like blasphemy, murder, and adultery come from inside of us and defile a man. That's why we need new hearts. Our natural heart by birth is a wicked heart. We need a new one to have salvation. But the Pharisees, they looked the part. Remember, they had the broadest phylacteries. They had the longest tassels, the nicest beards, the most beautiful tunics and robes, eloquent speech, Scripture memorization, yet they were full of greed on the inside. You know, it's possible to make yourself look holy on the outside without ever having a new heart. It's what's called a facade facade. It's presenting your outward appearance as something you really are not. It's like pulling up to a building that says hospital, only to find that it's just a wall in a movie set that looks like a hospital, but it's not really one. That's a facade or a facade. You know, this is why I'm so against pressured confessions or conversions, praying a sinner's prayer, or thinking that just because someone gets baptized that they're automatically saved. Salvation happens from the inside out. Now, I believe in confession and I believe in baptism, water baptism. But not everyone who prays, come into my heart, Lord, or who gets baptized, has salvation. Not everyone. You know, this happens far too often with youth in the church world today. They attend a youth conference. I used to attend them many times growing up, where emotions would run high. And they're pressured to come down to an altar, say a prayer, get baptized, and then it's like they got their hand stamped or their ticket punched and everything's fine. They treat salvation kind of like a flu shot. you know. Now by Yahweh's grace, some of them are saved. But because of bad doctrine and theology, people end up thinking some of them are saved when they really are not. You know, as a parent, parents in here, as a parent, It is much better for you to bring your children every week to the Sabbath service to listen to the teaching of the Bible, whatever it is. Not to just hear a quote-unquote salvation message. Not to listen to Brother Matthew try to coerce somebody into getting baptized. Not for me to stir up your children's or your emotions like a con artist, but just to hear the faithful teaching of the Word. Because faith comes by hearing the Word taught. I don't care if it's Leviticus chapter 1 verse 1 or John three sixteen. It's the Word. And when it is heard, that is Yahweh's means of producing faith. Faith is a gift anyhow. Faith is not something that you stir up. Faith is a gift from Yahweh. If you have faith today, it's because Yahweh gave it to you. It's not because He pulled it out of you. It's because He gave it to you. Faith is a gift. A gift means you have not always had it. Faith is produced by a means in the Bible. That's how Yahweh grants or gives faith to people. Not by a preacher coercing somebody to pray a prayer or repeat after me or come down to an altar or forcing somebody under the water, going down a dry center and coming up a wet center because there's no heart change. Faith comes by hearing the Word preached. And when somebody is pricked in their heart, they will desire then to do the necessary things for salvation and righteous and holy living. Do you know that the Apostle Peter in the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 never told the men of Israel what to do to be saved until they were pricked in their heart and asked, what do we need to do? He just preached the gospel. That's all he preached. And he kept on preaching it until finally the men were pricked in their heart. Why were they pricked? Yahweh made that heart want to desire to say, Oh, we see that we have done wrong. We see that we have denied the Messiah, the one that the Father sent. What do we need to do, Peter? And then Peter tells them what they need to do, but only after they ask the question, not before. Peter wasn't interested in phony salvations or getting somebody to repeat words. That was not the interest of the Apostle Peter. That's not the interest of Matthew. My interest is genuine, heartfelt devotion to Almighty Yahweh. Now, if we had more faith in that, if we really trusted Yahweh's word, we would believe this and we would let Yahweh deal with our neighbors and with our children. But so often we try to force salvation on our neighbors and upon our children. Why not let Yahweh deal with them? Sure, we're supposed to teach our children diligently the Bible and we're supposed to witness to the lost sheep of Israel in the world. We're supposed to. We're called to do that. But we are not supposed to coerce people into a ritual whereby they think that something that they did or performed is what saved them. That's not our job. Salvation is of Yahweh. That's what Jonah, Prophet Jonah said before the great fish spit him out on dry land. Salvation is of Yahweh. Let Yahweh deal with your child. Let Yahweh deal with your neighbor. You cannot pressure someone into being saved. When we coerce people into a false salvation we've only made a false convert one that says lord lord but denies him in their heart why do you call me lord lord but do not the things that i say luke 6:46 even if a person cleans up a little bit or a lot bit even if they begin to perform some outward laws it doesn't mean that their heart has been changed believe you me i know lost people And my desire is that they receive salvation. People in my own family, some of them have already died and gone. And as far as I know, they have not received salvation. My heart is for them. But that doesn't mean I tell them, repeat after me, and then if you say the words, then you're saved. That doesn't mean I tell them, well, come down to the altar or let me baptize you, and you're automatically saved. There has to be a heart change or else you're simply forcing it upon somebody that has no desire to serve Yahweh. And you are getting ahead of Yahweh and trying to fulfill the job of the Holy Spirit. That is the Spirit's job. Let the Spirit prick. Let the Spirit deal with people. And when He deals with people, they will come to you and they will say, what do I need to do? I need need help. Oh, hallelujah. And the best thing that they could do is listen to the teaching of the Word. That's the best thing. That's how Yahweh saves people, through the teaching of the Bible. Remember, we know that the Pharisees were greedy. It says the inside, they're full of greed. We know that they were greedy because last week we read where they were stealing from the widows, devouring the widows' houses and then praying that long prayer of blessing over top of them. Give me your possessions. Donate your possessions to me, widow. And I'll pray this long blessing over you. Oh man, and the old elderly widow woman, they would say, oh man, that sounds great. Well, that was greed. That was theft by deception. They were thieving from the widows. According to verse, I think it was verse 14. They had no self-restraint. They were prideful. They were boastful. They loved the praises of man. But they loved to hammer everybody else that wasn't part of their group. Just drop the hammer on them. If you're not part of the sect of the Pharisees, you're not good. You're not holy. We're the upper shalon. You're the lower class. fooey on you. That was their mindset. This is why in verse 26, Yeshua calls them blind again. He says, first, clean the inside of the cup so the outside of it may also become clean. The Pharisees and the scribes are the cup here. They're the cup. They need to be cleansed inwardly. And if that happens, the outside will automatically become clean. That's why salvation is so beautiful because I know lost people but I also know saved people and it's beautiful to watch Yahweh work on a saved person because gradually you see the change in their life. Gradually you see that they stop loving the things of the world and they love the things of Yahweh. And it's not any man that's doing that. It's Almighty Yahweh that's leading and guiding them. That's when you know it's true. That's when you know it's genuine when you see the fruit of that heart of flesh that Yahweh gave to them, then you know it's genuine. See, if someone gets born from above, born of the Spirit, a new heart, a new birth, born of Yahweh, they will gradually manifest obedience on the outside. But it takes time. Just like a seed that you plant in the garden. I plant a garden almost every year. And one of the things I always plant is generally cucumbers. I like cucumbers. I like pickles, so I like cucumbers. Like them on my salad. But I go out and I plant those cucumber plants. And it would be crazy for me to plant the seed or the plant and then come out the next morning and get upset if I didn't have a harvest. That would be foolish for me to do that. Seeds on good soil take time to grow. They take time to grow. You don't holler at a seed and help it grow. You nourish it, you water it, and you make sure that it gets sunshine. Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered, but who gave the increase? Yahweh gave the increase. Just planting and watering, brothers and sisters. This seed in the good ground won't be a quick growth, it won't be like the seed that landed on the rocky soil. Remember when I taught on the parable of the soils? That seed that landed on the rocky soil, that grew up very quickly, and it looked pretty for a while. But it withered away. Why? Because it had no root. And, you know, we see this happen in churches. We see where people, it seems like they get saved, and they grow up real quick, and it seems like they're doing fine, but then all of a sudden, boom, you don't see them anymore. They wither away. Why? No root. The soil was not good. Only one out of four soils is good. Remember that. A saved person, a person who has been given a new heart, a person that is good soil, now desires to follow Yahweh. Sure, they still battle with the flesh, and they still sin. But the key is is that they battle. They don't win every time, but they battle because they are now born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of Yahweh. John chapter 1 verse 13 people sometimes tell me brother Matthew they come to me and they say I've been struggling with this sin and I need some help and I need some prayer and I always try to remember to tell them this brother or sister be thankful that you're struggling be thankful that you haven't given up and given in be encouraged that you're battling Yahweh's Spirit is in your heart. If He wasn't, you would not be struggling with sin. You'd be practicing sin and living a lifestyle of sin. Be thankful that you have conviction and that it's a struggle and not a practice. Be encouraged. That's a sign of regeneration. See, the inner man is the key. The inner man is the focus. I'm not here to preach to you and tell you to start cleaning up your outside or your outer person. I'm not here to make you do something on the outside. I'm not here to force you to talk a certain way, to say a certain prayer, to dress a certain way, to look a certain way. I'm not here to stand at the door and hand out tassels and phylacteries to everybody that walks in to make sure you got them on before we have service. That's not my job. I'm not here to do that. I'm not interested in a facade. I believe Yahweh, see? I believe that faith comes by hearing the Word preached. Every part of it, Leviticus, Numbers, Ezekiel, Matthew 23, the book of Revelation, it all produces faith. Yahweh saves you. And when He does, it's genuine. Matthew Jansen, I can force a false salvation on you in an attempt to make you feel better or to grow a bigger church or whatever, but none of that comes from Yahweh. My prayer is that Yahweh creates clean hearts in you like David prayed Meditate on that. David prayed, create in me a clean heart. Oh, Yah. Why? Because he knew Yahweh had to create it. David couldn't. Create in me a clean heart. Oh, Yah. My prayer is that Yahweh cleans your hearts, and my prayer is that Yahweh cleans my heart. That's my everyday prayer. Because like Apostle Paul said, I die daily to the flesh see when you have a clean inside it will always 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 gradually produce a clean outside it's just that the Pharisees got it backwards they cleaned up the outside but they had dirty inside they washed the outside of the car but they didn't take out the trash or vacuum the carpet they brushed their hair but they didn't brush their teeth you get the picture they cleaned up the outside but didn't clean up the inside so when you see lost sheep in the world unsaved people pray pray that Yahweh changes their heart. That should be your prayer. Not to coerce them, not to force them and then go brag about how many of you got saved that week because you don't save anybody. Yahweh does the saving. We're just the planters and the waters. We're just bringing the message. Okay? Pray that Yahweh gives them a new heart. Plant seeds. Throw out nuggets to them. Water that seed that you planted but let Yahweh do His job in His time. See? Let's look at the last woe. It's similar to what we just covered, verses 27 through 28, our last two verses in the lesson. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs, which appear beautiful on the outside, but inside are full of dead men's bones and every impurity. In the same way, on the outside you seem righteous to people, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Here Yeshua says they're like whitewashed tombs. Now, touching a dead body, rendered a person unclean. So the Israelites would often cover tombs with lime plaster and that would make those tombs have a white look, a white appearance. And because they were white then, they'd be easier for the people to see. And that helped them steer clear of tombs that otherwise they might bump into accidentally and become thereby ceremonially defiled. And Yeshua is making his point then by telling the scribes and Pharisees that they are like the tombs. That are whitewashed. They have a clean appearance on the outside, but inside they're full of the bones of dead men like the tombs. Dead men's bones inside the tomb, but on the outside the tomb appears white from the lime. In the same way as these tombs, the Pharisees seemed like they were clean to people, but inside they were filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. They were transgressors of the law not keepers of the law. And that harkens back to verse 3 where Yeshua says they don't practice what they teach. So therefore he tells the people don't follow their example. Do what they say when they read the law but don't follow what they do because they don't practice what they teach. So on the outside they're like this whited tomb. They're marked clearly for everybody to see. They look holy. They look righteous. But inside they're dead. They're dead. Now dead in the Bible is often a figure of speech for the natural unsaved man. The man without the new heart. Kind of like when Paul writes to the saints in Ephesians that were saved at the time he wrote it, but he tells them in Ephesians 2, verse 1, that prior to their conversion, he says, you were dead in trespasses and sins. That's what he writes in Ephesians 2, verse 1. Or when Yeshua told one of His disciples in Matthew eight twenty two, let the dead bury their dead. That first dead has to be spiritually dead. And that's the same meaning here in Matthew 23, verse 27. The scribes and the Pharisees are full of dead men's bones. On the inside, they're spiritually dead. They need spiritual life, just like I once did, and just like you once did, before you were given spiritual life. The problem was that the Pharisees didn't think that they were dead. They didn't think they were sick. They didn't think they were the problem. And many people today are the same way. When you don't see any of this, you don't run to the solution. You think you are the solution. That's the problem with the world today. You know, when you witness to atheists, you don't need to get in a big, long, drawn-out conversation about whether there exists a God or a Creator. Because if they're a lost sheep, all you got to do is preach the law to them and it will convict them of their sin. Let Yahweh deal with them. Let Yahweh give them a new heart. That's all you got to do. People don't think that they're sick, so they need to be shown that they're sick. They need to be walked through the Ten Commandments and shown that they have not kept them. Shown that they're liars, adulterers, thieves, blasphemers shown that they have a wicked heart, like Yeshua said in Matthew 15. People look at their self as good rather than evil, but Yeshua told His disciples in Matthew 7 verse 11, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children. That was to His disciples. He called His disciples evil. Why? Because He's talking about the natural man. We are evil by birth. We're not born with a new heart. We have to be given a new heart and the word given means you haven't always had it. When somebody gives you something it means you don't have it before but then you have it after you've been given it. Someone who doesn't think that they're sick will never go to the doctor. Someone who doesn't realize they have cancer will never make any changes. And someone who already thinks that they're righteous and holy and look the part will not run to Yeshua of Nazareth. They won't. The Pharisees had the remedy to their wickedness right there in front of them. But you don't see the remedy if you don't think you need any healing. He told the Pharisee, you are in need of me, but only the sick can see the man from Nazareth. You don't think that you need him unless you realize that you're sick. Then you won't do anything but run to him because you know you can't save yourself from your sins. And brothers and sisters today, run to the Master. Run to Him every day. Yahweh gave Him to us to run to. He is Yahweh's salvation. He is Yahweh's righteousness. He is Yahweh's deliverance. We are all sick. We all need to be healed spiritually. We all need to die daily to the desires of our flesh. So don't walk. Don't just casually stroll run to the arms of Yeshua of Nazareth. They are wide open, ready to hug all of the lost sheep that come into His fold. Ready to hug them with care and with tenderness and with kindness and with gentleness and with forgiveness in His heart for you and to say, welcome to the family. I'm your older brother and you can sit at the head of the table because I've already done everything for you on your behalf. Co-heirs with Christ, the Bible says. Heirs of the Mighty One and co-heirs with Christ. Praise Yahweh. Run to Yeshua. Don't be a whitewashed tomb. Realize that your outward show doesn't relieve you from your thoughts and your feelings. Recognize that you're hopeless apart from Yahweh sending you His Son. Hopeless. Run to Yeshua. Run to Him. His arms are wide open to those who admit that they are sick. And He is ready, and He is more than willing to forgive you of your sins every day if you confess them, If you confess them, He's faithful and He's just. He's ready and He's willing. But you must run to Him and you must admit, have mercy upon me, a sinner. You must admit it. Every day, if you do that, if you do that, every day you'll be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law by faith in Christ every day. Let's stand and have a word of prayer. Yahweh Father, I love You, I thank You, and I praise You. You are good. I am not, Father. I'm just a vessel, Father. Just a vessel. Father, I pray that Your Word, Father, as I've read it today, I know that it won't return void. I pray that it will do what You set it forth to do that you'll prick the hearts of the people. And Father Yahweh, I pray that you would renew right spirits in us and create clean hearts in us. Father, I pray that you'd save any of us that are not. And I pray, Father, that you'd prick and save those of us that may think we are and are not. Father Yahweh, we're constantly supposed to test ourselves and examine ourselves to see if we're in the faith. Let us, Father, be diligent to do that. And, Father Yahweh, not deceive our own selves and be like a man that looks in a mirror and then leaves and forgets what manner of man he was. Yahweh, Father, I pray that we just wouldn't put on a facade, we wouldn't make our outsides clean, we wouldn't focus on the minor points and neglect all the major points and neglect our hearts. I pray that, Father, You would remove the secret sins in our life, Father Yahweh, those that are holding us down. Father, might Your Gospel, might Your good news of the Messiah, might it be mighty in this place today to save and to heal, Father, the sin-sick soul, the wretched people. Father Yahweh, help us to see, Father, that You, through Your Son, that is the only way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by Me. Father, may we run to the feet of Your Son and say, have mercy, have mercy, have mercy. I need Your life. I need your death, I need your resurrection every day. I pray these things to you, Yahweh Father, through your Son, Yeshua.